In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. A farmer went out to plant his seed. Some fell by the road, some fell on rocky ground, some fell among thorny weeds, some fell on good ground. Matthew 13, verses 3 through 8. This is the first of several parables Jesus told his disciples about sowing seeds. He wanted them to really hear him, to really understand about the kingdom of God. In ancient times, before tractors and GPSs, Farmers sowed their seed by hand. They tossed it to the wind, as it were, and it fell where it fell. Jesus is comparing us to the scattered seed. And thank goodness most of it fell on good soil. Otherwise, we'd all be discouraged, don't you think? The soil plays as important a role in the story as the seed. It represents the depths of our understanding of what Jesus is saying about himself and how to tap into his way of life. Don't get me wrong, we're not talking about working our way to heaven. We couldn't do that. We're talking about understanding. Once we've grasped what Jesus is about, we'll have no choice but to live according to his will. It's so easy. It's the world that makes it difficult. As you get super excited about your iPhone or television, new car or baby, and lavish all your attention on it, don't elbow God aside. Give him all your attention first, and you'll find you still have loads of time left over for those other things. And you may find those other things have taken on a new importance. When our love for God has fertile soil to plant those seeds of understanding in, we'll find the roots will anchor us firmly in our faith, and we'll be able to face eternal life with certainty. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. Good morning, Texans, and good afternoon, England. I hope you're ready for a fabulous day. My guest this week is Shanna Godfrey, rocket scientist, creator of the Godfrey, Godfrey Method phonics program, mother of 14, and a homeschooler to boot. Stay with me to hear more, if you have the stamina. I'll be talking about having no excuse not to go out to work anymore, a show we went to see, homeschooling in Alaska, and homeschooling the Malia and Mum way. So bring your cereal and juice or your afternoon tea and biscuits and join me as I chat about how we're making it in good old England. Yesterday was Paris's birthday. She's my teacher daughter, who's just recently moved to Corpus Christi with her job. She Skyped us the night before to get my 22 years ago today speech, and she wasn't disappointed. I told her I had only gained 22 pounds, and when she was born, <clears throat> she weighed an impressive 21 pounds, 8 ounces, so I only had half a pound to lose. She wasn't buying it. She never does. 
22 years ago, my blue-eyed cowboy was home for a brief 10-day visit on a well-timed break from his world tour with some band called the Bee Gees. So you can imagine what that visit was like with two young boys, three years and 16 months, a newborn and a whopping C-section to get over. Luckily, I had an eight-week maternity leave from Ticketmaster to look forward to, and I hadn't even heard of homeschooling back then. Nope, not even a twinkle in my mind's eye. So I continued leaving the boys at the sitter's house while I napped and lounged around in post-op mode while looking after my baby girl. I even had a live-in nanny. I wrote Paris an email this morning listing all my misses, her hugs, her laughter, her love, her smiles. And if you're listening, periwinkle, twinkle toes, before you rush off to work, happy birthday again. I waited two babies for you, boys too, and still cherish every moment we have together. I don't not like being there for your special days. Skype's not quite the same as a warm squeeze. We went to see our first West End show on Monday, but... Nothing that you will have heard of, although some of the performers may make it big one day. It was Malia's Future College's final show, in which the graduating students were featured and talent agents were in the audience. The show was at the Shaw Theatre on Euston Road, and although we sat in the back row, our view was really good since it was only a 550-seat auditorium. We were all impressed with the standard and professionalism, and why am I surprised? This is a renowned theatre school, and that's all the students do day in, day out. Train, train, train. The flow of the show was incredible. No stopping for bows, just one number after the next, helped by lighting, staging, and music. Backstage must have been a nightmare as the costume changes were super quick. In a blink of an, of an eye, the dancers from the previous number were in the next one with a full costume change. Shoes too. Subtle exits and entrances worked together to achieve these faster-than-light transitions, I'm sure. The costumes were fabulous too. I don't know what I expected. I'd seen dance school recitals before and even the college company's spring and autumn shows, but nothing prepared me for this. These were obviously students who could dance, knew how to perform and took class every day, all day, five or six days a week. The numbers weren't repetitive. There were excerpts from some of the West End shows currently in production, including Pippin, Billy Elliot, South Pacific. There was street dancing by the classically trained lyrical jazz with exercise balls, solo singing, chorus singing, medleys of popular songs, a fantastic tap number combining regular tap with Irish step dancing, ballet, and a number where all the men wore black kilts. And I thought, forget men in tights, give me men in kilts. How masculine does a man look in a skirt? Thanks, Scotland. You, you name it, we saw it. A really well-rounded group and only 50 in the whole school. Malia feels special and even more excited now. And she begins in September. So with her homeschooling phase almost at a close, let's have a brief look at the way one state helps and encourages would-be homeschoolers to achieve their goals. How about teaming up with your local ISD? Some states do this with varying degrees of success. And several weeks ago, when I spoke to Lori Zulliger, who homeschools her daughter in Alaska, I found two ways in which Alaska and her homeschooling families are keeping education flourishing in diverse ways. As the 49th state, Alaska employs unique homeschooling opportunities. I thought I'd outline some of the best of what goes on in this state of northern lights and forever daytime during the summer to listen up. 
You So listen up. You may even be lured there to reap the benefits. A parent isn't required to hold any degrees or a high school diploma in order to homeschool their child. I know this applies everywhere, but how many of us have been asked, what qualifications do you have to teach your child? Homeschool children are exempt from standardised testing. Well, unless your child really wants to take the test, which one of mine did. In Texas, that is, not Alaska. Go figure. He wanted to make sure he was towing the line. The only time standardised testing is required in Alaska is when an alternative form of education is used. I thought homeschooling was an alternative form of education. What exactly do they mean here? Well, if parents decide to operate as a religious school, then there are all kinds of requirements and paperwork to do. Otherwise, homeschooling alone or by holding hands with a local school district is legal, and there are no required number of days of attendance, notifications to be made, or qualifications needed. According to Alaskan education laws, the burden is on the state to prove that parents are not teaching their children rather than to ensure compulsory education in schools. The basic public school support system assigns an advisory teacher. According to Laurie in Alaska, whose job it is to ensure that the students are managing the work all right. For Laurie, this means a conversation with the advisory teacher at least once a month, and she has to turn in her daughter's work samples for each subject once a quarter. The curriculum very often is mailed to students and resembles a correspondence course. Most of the schoolwork is done online. Laurie's daughter is able to participate in state-mandated testing if she wants to, which is arranged and hosted by the school programme. Because her daughter is enrolled in a public school programme, Laurie is given an allotment of funds that the schools dispense. Ah, funds means strings, but Alaska says no strings attached. Laurie can use these funds for any educational purpose associated with the subjects in her daughter that her daughter is enrolled in. Laurie and families like hers use these funds to purchase curriculum materials and get reimbursement for classes in physical education, music, or any optional subjects the teacher, I mean the child, may be enrolled in. A modification of the system is enjoying a runaway success in Alaska and has been adopted by other school districts. The mindset is slightly different and allows homeschoolers a lot more freedom to express themselves. Galena City, a small village on the Yukon River with a big name, is renowned for innovation in education. The district includes two other schools in addition to the Interior Distance Education in Alaska IDEA, which they founded in June 1997. Historically, there are several statewide correspondence programs that send a set curriculum to enrolled families and grade all of the students' work through the mail, as outlined above. But Galena was the first to recognise national statistics which pointed to the excellent academic experience most homeschoolers were reaping. They stuck their necks out and honoured the individuality of homeschool approaches and the parents' ability to provide an excellent one-on-one tutoring experience using individualised rather than standard curriculum materials and educational methods. In their first year, and to the surprise of most educators in the state, Galena City enrolled 1,157 students in this unique system. And the following year, enrolment tripled. Here's a district that recognises the power of choice and reaches out to homeschoolers in a way that appeals to their individuality. Galena acknowledges that most homeschoolers don't want to be boxed in by their curriculum. Their philosophy is captivating too. Here's what they believe. As parents, we know our children better than anyone else. Well, yes, we do. 
To this end, the district strives to bring the homeschooling community educational tools and tips, wide varieties of high-quality materials, advice and guidance, without actually telling the parents exactly what to do with it. Academic materials and an educational style, which has the potential to be truly individualized for each child, provides the finest education. By enrolling an idea, families feel they can be flexible and maintain their individuality, even within a public school system. And then the school districts itself are learning from homeschoolers. And they're learning that what they're doing, they can use in their public school classrooms. Excellent in education is not a one-size-fits-all, something we sadly find so often in the traditional classroom. Rather, it's a dynamic journey that can take many forms. So in a nutshell, Galena supports homeschooling parents by nurturing a belief that they're capable of providing a solid education for their own children and will seek help when needed. Bravo, Galena. And I'm going on a break and I'll be back in about nine seconds. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, TrishaGoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
Well, my guest this morning is Shanna Godfrey, a scientist and project manager in the aerospace and defense industry. She has 14 children and taught them how to read using her own method, which she now markets as the Godfrey Method Phonics Books. Shanna also has experience dealing with addiction, ADHD, adoption, blended families, depression, foster parenting, raising twins, reconciling science and religion, single parenting, tutoring college math, working mothers, and much more. So once you pop onto her website, One Stop does it all. And did I mention she also homeschools? Good morning, Shanna, and welcome to my show. Hi, Vivian. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Super, super. I loved your bio on your website. Oh, well, thank you very much. I enjoyed reading all of your stuff, too. So I'm really looking forward to this this, um, this morning. Well, it's afternoon for me, but I have to keep remembering it's morning for you. Um, <laughs> so I really just want to start a little bit with um, what, um, what were your family dynamics when you were growing up? How many children did you have in your family? And give us a little background about you. Okay, um... My mother had eight children, four from my father and four from my stepfather. I was the oldest, uh, and my dad, best thing he did for me was he taught me to read when I was only three. Wow. And uh, it helped me be really successful, you know, for the rest of my life, actually. Um, As far as the other dynamics, um, my mother had four girls and four boys, and, of course, I was the best child. All right, of course you were. <laughs> what else would you like to know? What else would I like to know? Okay, so um, I, I noticed that you say something about um, not going to college um, straight away. You waited until you were a little bit older before you went to, well, not really a little bit older. My son's about the same age that you were. <laughs> um, kind of mid, mid-20s before you went to um, college. And um, I have a... Um, something about that where I think sometimes kids aren't ready to go to college at 18 or 17 or whatever. And they just seem to be expected to in our culture. And I think it's a waste of time for them. They need to kind of maybe get out and have a little bit of life and then settle down a little and maybe go to college if that's what they want to do. And it sounds as though you did something similar to that. So tell us about that. I agree with you. Uh, there are several people in my family, my extended family, who are what I would call late bloomers. Mm-hmm. Um, you thought they were just sort of floundering around in their 20s and 30s, but like my cousin Ron, now he's a multimillionaire with his own business. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, everyone was so worried about him for two decades, and now he's fine. Married a wonderful woman from China, has a child. You know, uh, he's just a late bloomer. Uh, I feel like one of my sons is a late bloomer, and uh, people worry about him in the family, and I say, he'll be fine, you know, just let him go at his own pace. Mm-hmm. As for me, my uh, education came about as necessity. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to go to college. I always did well in school. I was taking college prep classes in high school, calculus, physics, chemistry, things like that, uh, you know, uh, advanced English But then when it came time to go to school, there was a little power struggle between my dad and my stepdad and who was going to pay for it. And I just said, you know what, forget it. I'm not doing it right now. (laughs) Then I'm 28 years old, 27, almost 28. I've got eight children. I've been a foster parent for 
for a long time, uh, since I was 21. Mm-hmm. Three of my children at the time were adopted, and uh, I'd had 19 other foster children, and uh, suddenly I found myself going through divorce. Mm-hmm. No education, couldn't even afford child care for the youngest two, mm-hmm. you know, on minimum wage. And it was a very frustrating time, but I'd always had this, this uh, gift for learning, and so I thought, well, now's the time to go to college. Mm. And so I did, and uh, I just sort of fell into rocket science by accident. Wow. Uh, I actually wanted to be a doctor, but when I finished my pre-med classes, I had everything there to have a chemistry degree, and I decided I needed to go to work. And so I became a chemist at uh, the rocket factory in northern Utah, and it, it just... Uh, worked into that i never did get back to medical school well you know what it's never too late shanna <laughs> that's probably you can still true. do that you know yeah <laughs> maybe i'll be a late blooming doctor <laughs> <laughs> well you know um the baby boomers are you know sort of we're, we're going to take over here and uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to need doctors in, in longer for longer than any other generation so uh there's going That's to be true. need, I'm sure, for that. It sounds as though if you decide to turn your hand to anything, you just go ahead and do it. It sounds like you just get out there and, and do what you need to do. So um, how on earth did you manage with so many children going back to school single? You must have been hugely organized. Any <laughs> question, um, really. Sure, you were, but um, what I, did you I do? Am, I am fairly organized. However, I gave up perfectionism. Oh, okay. I had to let some things go. I had to reprioritize. And uh, the uh, children had to come first. Uh, the studies had to come first. Um, you know, trying to be the perfect mother in the, the spotless museum showcase house did mm-hmm. just had to go by the wayside. And so I made sure that besides my studies that I help the children. I nurtured them first when I got home, when they got home from school. Some of the little ones had to go to child care. First thing I did was hold them all, um, you know, make sure they felt secure and safe emotionally. Um, uh, and I had to work with my studies. Uh, the children helped me a lot with the chores. They each did their share. Uh, the older ones could help with the cooking, and they did their share, too. And, and they were very supportive, just just a good group of kids. I was very lucky. So what ages are you talking about here? Oh, uh, let's see. At that time, the oldest was mm, 17, almost 18, and the youngest was uh, one. Okay, so quite a range. And you were young. <laughs> You're like 27 or something, 28 or something like that. Uh, yeah, and I was just eight children. I wasn't done yet. I, I've had, I've re- gotten six more after that. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, but but now your the range between your your oldest and the youngest is a little bit sort of. Oh yeah, the oldest is um, 35. The youngest yeah. is nine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And. Um, Okay, so you've got all these children, and um, you homeschooled. You homeschooled on and off. So tell me, why did you first start to homeschool? I originally started homeschooling uh, back in the 80s because I read John Holt's book called Teach Your Own. Mm -hmm. 
it's a wonderful book. Uh, John Holt has since uh, passed away, which which made me sad. And he had a wonderful newsletter called Growing Without Schooling. And I just really felt strongly that I wanted to do for my kids what my dad did for me, help them be their best and get ahead with uh, learning at home at their own pace and not being held back by schools. Mm-hmm. And so um, my my oldest son, I started homeschooling with him when he, well, even before he was five, and uh, just continued as he reached school age. My uh, My daughter, one of my daughters, she was only three when I was teaching my son to read, and uh, she just picked up on it with Mount me even teaching her, Mm. she could read at three just from watching me with her brother. Mm. And uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I have to say that my son died when he was eight. And so I felt like, what a lucky mom I am. Oh, to have been able to spend that extra time with him. Yeah, that I had more time with him than most moms get with their children going to school. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and I'm so glad that I did that. Yeah. Well, a few years later, and I was going through divorce, and I had to go to work and things, and and I just hated putting my children in public school, but I had to do it uh, just for survival. So I always made sure I taught them to read before they entered kindergarten so they would already be a little ahead, feel confident, feel successful. And so we could have that one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. Because with me being, you know, so busy, um, keeping the family afloat and everything, to be able to sit down with a child and read some books together and do a little bit of phonics together and stuff was just precious and very important. Mm-hmm. So I always made sure I, you know, I worked with them at home even while they were going to school. And then recently, well, a couple of years ago, um, I got laid off from my job after I transferred, uh, you know, the economy the way it is. And I, I was home again, and I said, oh, I can homeschool again. And so my youngest three have been able to be homeschooled with mom uh, this last couple of years because, yay, I'm home. So you actually do homeschool using a curriculum, or do you do it go the John Holt way and... Um, um, <laughs> school or because I know John Holt I mean when I was at teach training college John Holt was one of our textbooks one of our required read all of his work was our required you even met him huh yeah yeah oh I envy you that's wonderful um I I did a mixture of uh everything (laughs) I knew I needed a little uh, some structure and some guidelines, um, but I also made up some stuff myself uh, where I saw my kids had a need or a gap, um, you know, and I just pulled a lot of resources and ideas out of many areas. One of my favorite uh, curriculums to follow as a guideline is the Abeka books from the Pensacola, yeah. Florida uh, College, Christian College. Yes, yes, I've heard of those. Their their curriculum are actually a really high standard. Um, kids yeah. in public schools in fifth grade probably couldn't do the Becca fifth grade. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we're having to go on a break, Shanna. For those of you just joining us, I'm talking to Shanna Godfrey, fascinating person who has worked as a chemist in the aerospace and tactile missile industry. She says that although she has published scientific papers, she finds that writing for children is much more rewarding. And so she um, has written um, a series of phonics books, which we're going to be talking about when we come back after our break. So don't go far. I'll be back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Shanna, so obviously reading to you and for me, of course, is um, the most important thing we can teach our children, apart from, you know, obedience and being respectful to their, to their 
um, parents and stuff like that. But um, reading. So I had a son who was way too busy to settle down and learn how to read. So he was a really, he was a late talker and a late reader. And my brother was also a late reader, but he turned out fine. And, you know, he's got books on his shelf and I can't even understand the titles. So um, he's obviously wasn't hindered by, you know, sort of reading late. But, you know, you say you taught all your children um, to read by the time they um, went to kindergarten. And I know I would not have succeeded with my son. I would have been banging my head against a brick wall. So what do you do? Do you force it? Just wait. Oh, you you use the Godfrey method. Your son (laughs) would have just eaten up the Godfrey method so quickly and easily. (laughs) Well, tell Uh, us the Godfrey method. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, first of all, let me tell you, did you know that dyslexia is the disease you get in school? Or let me be a little more uh, specific. Dyslexia is the disease you get from sight reading. Mm Mm-hmm. And with the Godfrey method, you learn phonics reading, but mm-hmm. children learn it earlier and easier. And let me tell you how this came about. I was teaching all of my children to read through um, Siegfried Engelman's How to Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. Okay. And it's a wonderful book, and it uses direct instruction, phonics methods, and, and all my older children got it just fine and, and, uh, and learned to read very well and very easily. I never go anywhere near sight reading, and so I was so glad to find his book. And But my one son who was four back in 1990, he couldn't get it. Even with this wonderful method that uh, Siegfried Engelman had created, he just couldn't remember which letter made which sound. And so uh, I, I racked my brain because he seemed to have it one day, and the next day he forgot. And so uh, suddenly I, I realized that to him, letters on a page are just squiggly lines. Mm -hmm. And to a four-year-old, they don't mean anything. They're very Mm -hmm. abstract. And where my other older children could just easily remember which squiggly line made which sound, this son couldn't. Mm -hmm. It it just didn't make sense to him. And so uh, I felt inspired to make each letter look like something that started with its sound. And uh, once I did that, once it made sense to him, he just took off in reading, no problem. And, you know, my sisters and my neighbors, everyone was like, wow, we want to do that with our kids. They suddenly, they they got it. They saw it, and, and it just suddenly turned on a light bulb for them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I started hand-making my little uh, phonics picture letters on three-by-five cards with markers, <laughs> You know what it's like to redraw 26 letters several times? <laughs> this was back in the early 90s. And uh, PCs weren't even real popular yet. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, But I started passing out copies to anyone who wanted them. And uh, people started telling me, you, you need to publish this, you need to publish this. And it still took me, you know, over a decade to, to actually start publishing it. Um, what the Godfrey Method does is this. Uh, reading is hearing with your eyes. Reading mm-hmm. needs to be on the hearing side of your brain, but your eyes are doing the translation of the sounds. Mm-hmm. And with the little picture letters, uh, little kids, it makes sense to them. For instance, a, a lowercase h looks like the profile of a horse. 
it was just really easy to make the H look like a horse, add a little head on the top of the stem, you know, uh, some little hoofs on the bottom uh-huh. of the H, add a little, throw a little tail off the curve. Uh, and every time he saw an H, he remembered, oh, that looks like a horse that's a huh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things like that. We made the, the G, lowercase g, look like a girl. Uh, it looks like, you know, a girl's face with long hair in a, in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just different things. And, and once these squiggly lines meant something that he could recognize, he could remember their sounds. Mm-hmm. And he just, and then it's really easy to go from there to blending sounds into, you know, short three-letter words, and then to go from there into all the different uh, phonics rules and, you know, expand your vocabulary. And so um, we, we found that this works with children with learning disabilities. This fixes speech problems. This prevents and cures dyslexia. Um, it, it brings kids who struggle up to speed very quickly. And kids who learn fine learn faster and easier. And we figured that out from uh, preschools using the method. And so uh, it, it was just sort of something I created for my son to get him over that little hump. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be uh, uh, much more than we had expected. And you did manage to get it published? Yes, I sure did, finally. <laughs> So, so you've got this little word like cat, cat, and so did you? Did you take? Did you draw a picture on the C, the A, and the T? Oh yeah, it's every perfect. single letter has its own picture. Okay, so so you can actually okay. okay. Now the the deal is this is my motto: keep it simple for success, or kiss your child with the Godfrey okay. method. This is very important, and so in order to keep it simple, we start with. Only lowercase letters, uh, because most of printed material is in lowercase. Mm-hmm. We start with uh, one sound per letter. We, you know, children pick up on the alternate sounds for C, G, uh, some of the blends later. But for the most success, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like for us, we only work with initial words where G is always a G. Mm-hmm. You know, C is always a K, that kind of thing. And so they feel really successful really quickly, and they're so excited. And, and once that makes sense to small children, and, and even in the school-age children, adding the alternate sounds, the alternate vowels, this kind of thing becomes really easy. You're building on this solid foundation mm-hmm. that makes sense to them, and so you just keep building, and it's it's very simple and very effective. Mm-hmm. So you say touching is very important for children, this tactile learning. So, oh, so absolutely. how do you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Sitting with your child next to him or if they're small enough with them on your lap, mm-hmm. with your arm around them or whatever, your children is so important. Um, in fact, experts like Dr. Glenn Doman of the Institutes for Human Achievement and uh, Dr. Michael Merzenich, who's a brain neurosurgeon, have shown that uh, the touching and teaching with joy is so important that children actually learn faster and better from their own parents than from preschool teachers or school teachers or anybody else. 
There's something about that nurturing bond along with the teaching in a happy way, not with a power struggle, <laughs> in a happy yeah. way, yeah. that, that uh, increases their brain absorption of mm-hmm. new material. I, I don't know how to explain it, but there are several experts out there that have shown this over and over and over. And so, you know, the best teacher for a child is mom or dad, maybe grandma or grandpa. And doesn't it annoy you when people say to you, oh, I could never teach my child? You know, yeah. that's what I get all the time by, by uh, you know, from being a homeschooler. Oh, um, I admire you, but I could never teach my child. I'm thinking. Well, I think a lot of times parents are worried about the power struggles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times kids do give their own parents a worse power struggle than, you know, somebody else, a, a stranger or a non-family member. Uh, and you were saying, how would you ever get your son to sit down and learn? You know, there might be a little power struggle there. Mm-hmm. Well, um, with the Godfrey Method, we insist that you keep it joyful and fun, especially we're starting with, you know, preschool-age children and younger children. As they get older, they can learn to sit still for longer periods of time. But when they're little, you just want learning to be totally fun and joyous. And so I only would work with the picture letter, phonics cards, as long as my child was still interested. Mm-hmm. When he or she was ready to stop, we stopped. We mm-hmm. could pick it up again later in the day or another day. But as long as it was fun and interesting and, and we stopped when the, this child was ready to stop, uh, it, they just, he or she progressed very quickly. And so that's, I think, what parents are worried about is the power struggle. Yeah. And there are ways to encourage your child to, to uh, as he gets older, do his work and learn and things and still make it fun. Uh, it sounds like you did a lot of that, all kinds of outdoors, uh, natural science study, you know, yeah. fun projects, lots of things with animals. I mean, what a fun way to do that. And, but then you can also go in and say, okay, we were looking at raccoons today. Now we're going to go to the library and get all the books we can on raccoons. And I want you to write me a report on raccoons and sort of incorporate all the different, you know, learning styles and um, we could even make a, a graph or something of how many raccoons are in different parts of this nation and, and do yeah. math that way or, you know. Yeah. yeah. You can incorporate that in fun ways but still have the child uh, accomplishing something, if that makes sense. Well, I, and Shanna, you have to absolutely love what you're doing. Um, I read somewhere that um, they strongly suggested that you never do anything with your child that you really don't enjoy doing. And one of the things that I do not enjoy doing is like dressing up and making believe. I can't do that. (laughs) So I don't do that, but I love to read. I'll drop everything to do a jigsaw puzzle. I'll go outside, you know, in all weathers, you know. So I I just used to, I, I couldn't do everything. So I did what I loved. And if my children wanted to do something that I really didn't want to do, then somebody else did it with them or maybe i'd tag along every now and again they could be the leader and teach me you know and try and get me interested you know so that's how we worked it and uh oh i think you're absolutely right doing what you love um also if you tell children let's do this they never want to Mm -hmm. oh no that looks boring mom but if you just do it yeah then they want to join in it's like like say you want to do this jigsaw puzzle nobody wants to do it 
But you just sit down at a table and start doing a jigsaw puzzle. Guess what? Here comes this child. Oh, I found a piece or two. And this child says, what are they doing? Comes over. Oh, look, I found a piece or two. Pretty soon everyone's helping with the jigsaw puzzle. But it was their idea. Mom didn't make them. When we have to go on another break. So we'll be back. So come back after your quick little drink or cup of tea or whatever it is. And Shannon and I will continue. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Seasoning Me is on Toginet, a delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not-so-serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcome. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Okay, Shanna, we've got about five more minutes, and I want to go into something that um, I love that you that you write about. When my daughter was working in a Montessori school, and it was a pretty affluent little group of um, two-year-olds, um, she found that their vocabulary was just fantastic. Then she left and went and worked for um, another little um, daycare that wasn't quite so affluent, and she said, these two-year-olds can hardly talk, Mom. I don't know what's going on. And I said, well, maybe their parents don't talk very much, you know, at home with them and stuff like that. And so I'm reading that you're saying children cannot learn how to read or write or speak by osmosis. It's not a child-led process. It's something that you absolutely have to sit down one-on-one and teach them. And that families who are professionals probably do more of this with their children. Um, you know, will you talk about that for a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, Russ, uh, 
Grover Whitehurst did a, uh, he's the education head for the government, for the Department of Education, and he gave a a report to the Congress that uh, I quote in parts in different articles I have on examiner.com that just fascinated me. And he talked about a study where um, three-year-olds in in an affluent home have a higher vocabulary than adults in a lower economic home. Yeah. Three-year-olds have a higher vocabulary in the, in the educated homes than adults in the lower homes, lower socioeconomic homes. And I, I just thought, wow, what a difference that makes. And it sounds like your daughter saw that translated you know, mm-hmm. into reality, right? Right in her two experiences there. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely important that teaching is adult led. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to reinvent the wheel every generation? There's no progress with that. I love math, and I'm so grateful that Isaac Newton developed calculus. Mm-hmm. I probably would never get to it on my own if mm-hmm. I had to rediscover all of it, algebra, mm-hmm. trigonometry, geometry, all by myself, mm-hmm. I would never get there. Mm-hmm. It is so important to have an adult who knows where the path should go leading you there. Mm-hmm. It can still be fun, mm-hmm. but children don't know what they don't know, and quite often they flounder. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand the idea of uh, doing what they are interested in. And in that way, child-led discovery can be fun. Uh, you know, if they like tigers, get books on tigers, go to the zoo. But still there needs to be some adult level saying, okay, let's write about tigers. Oh, and here you might find this is interesting, this, you know, this book about the uh, the savanna in Africa or something. With, or no, tigers are in India. Lions in savanna. Anyway. Uh, you know, things like that. It's so important to show them where to head because uh, child-led math just has a lot of children feeling confused and it ruins their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. They don't have confidence in their answers. They don't have that base, that skill base to mm-hmm. really know and understand. Same thing with reading. Uh I, I am all about the direct instruction. Yeah, make it fun. Yeah, follow what interests the child, but lead them. Mm-hmm. Don't make them reinvent the wheel every generation. You just, you won't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think no children left behind has become all children left behind. Okay. Uh, you know, in public public schools, we tend to dumb down the curriculum to the slowest child. Well, you're kind of doing that when you let the child have to develop his own curriculum, too, and you just don't want to leave your child behind. No, that's right. Well, I I just thoroughly agree with you. There are other ways, and um, my son wanted to be active all the time. I read out loud to him. He dictated his essays to me while he was doing something else, but his mind was working. He was using language. So there are ways. So, um, Shanna, we have come to the end of um, a thoroughly enjoyable conversation this afternoon, this morning. Um, give me a couple of um, website addresses where we can go and find you and all of your remarkable talent. Okay, super. Uh, 
um, examiner.com. Uh, I'm the gifted parenting examiner. Um, Facebook, The Godfrey Method. Okay. My own website, uh, www.thegodfreemethod.com. Okay, C-O-D-F-R-E-Y. Okay. And uh, I just want to say one last thing, if I could. Okay. Intelligence is not all genetic. It's one part nature, one part nurture, and one part inner motivation. Okay. And so how we nurture and how we help our children with their inner motivation can actually increase their intelligence. Early reading the right way increases imagination, increases intelligence, and increases their capacity to learn for the rest of their lives. And I couldn't agree more, Shanna. Uh, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I've been talking with Shanna Godfrey, creator of the phonics program called The Godfrey Method. You can find her at God, uh, well, it's www.godfreemethod.com. She has wonderful information on her website from how to be an exceptional parent without having to spend a lot of money to the basics, what's the biggest reason that kids fail. And we talked about learning to read, write, and speak and how these skills need to be taught. They can't be charged child-led and don't come from osmosis. So thank you once again for joining me this morning, Shanna. I hope you have a refreshing weekend and I look forward to talking to you again. Super. Bye. Bye. Well, now that I don't have a real excuse to stay at home, I left three of them to their own devices in Texas. I can't find any really good reason not to start looking for a job. Well, I can use the remodeling of the flat as an excuse, but it's a bit lame, don't you think? Or I can use Malia while she's here. She needs my company and I can entertain her, be her shopping partner, cash machine. But an even lamer excuse since she's at work most of the time. So I have no excuses, really. So I offered my churches at church as a lay Eucharistic minister and pastoral supporter. And this week I rewrote my resume into a CV format. CV, Curriculum Vitae, what they call resumes here. And I'm preparing to visit all the primary schools around, of which there are a few in walking distance, to suss out the lay of the land before the schools break up for summer holidays, to see if my homeschooling years can carry any weight in the job market. Failing that, Hubby's, Hubby's suggested I apply at Ticketmaster, since I have a history with them. Ancient history, but history nonetheless. Yikes, a full-time job. I'll miss my days to myself. Well, and Hubby and I are keeping up the yoga. I pulled a muscle on my right side while taking the full wheel pose, which we used to call bridge. Not once, but three times in a row. And I think I actually pulled some muscles around my ribs. So I had to take a break from my practice for a couple of days. So I had to go out and walk for hours instead because with all the tea and crumpets and the chocolate biscuits and cheeses and the breads and sausages homemade, the weight's creeping on ounce by ounce and needs to be controlled. Malia and I wear our shorts every day because it's July and we're not the only ones on the street with this mindset, even though it is cold. I see women in summer frocks and flip-flops when really the weather's calling for the Uggs and sweaters, which is what we wear with our shorts and T-shirts. I'm reminded of the summer term at my boarding school, a period of time that falls after Easter until the middle of July when we'd go into our summer uniform whether the weather was clement or not which if Easter was early, it never was. I used to layer on the jumpers and cardigans to keep me warm in my thin cotton dress. British passports at home have finally arrived. My two youngest boy and girl have theirs. I applied for them um, 
ages ago. But then before we left, I applied for the two oldest boys and girls. And um, I thought, well, three months, they should arrive before we leave for England, but they didn't. And um, hubby called just before we left. And the official at the embassy who charged for his conversation would not give us any information because... My husband obviously wasn't Ian and he obviously wasn't Paris either. So I suggested that maybe next time he calls, he could say he was Ian and I could be Paris. And the next time wasn't until a couple of weeks ago when my son informed me that what he had thought were the passports were actually another parcel that had been left for him at the post office. So my mind started keeping me awake at night and I had visions of everything in the package being lost. There were original birth certificates, passport photos, signed and countersigned, copies of other photo IDs just in case, cashiers, checks, pages of forms, signatures that I got from different people. And um, early one morning, um, my lovely husband had to call the passport office again, had to give his credit card and... um, and discovered that they had no record of ever receiving anything. So I got on the phone as Paris and I heard the same story. And that little exchange cost us about £12. So he managed to track the envelope. At first he found absolutely no record of it ever even having left our house. Um, so our hearts sank at that. But um, a little bit later on he looked it up again and he found that it actually arrived and been signed for. So we called, had to pay again to call and inform them that the package had actually arrived and they said they'd email us and about nine days later we still didn't have any email so he called and um, managed to talk to a front desk lady who'd become his friend and she didn't have to charge him anything to talk to her and she called over there and um, our passports arrived at our home in Garland um, a couple of days ago and the excuse for them taking so long, took about three months, that new passports were taking longer these days. Well, I got new passports for my younger children in March, and it only took six weeks, so I don't know what really happened, but it's all over now, and now my children um, will be able to come here, and they can work, and um, everything, and, you know, they could have done anyway with just their birth certificates, but passports are a lot easier. So, with that little story, I've come to the end of my show for this week, and um, I have nothing planned for the weekend unless we take a train trip somewhere, but I'm sure by next week there'll be plenty to share with you again. So, without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas, and happy birthday, Paris, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Shanna Godfrey, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others who are a part of my growing audience. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 624 through 26. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on 